Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dodzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Uh, I'm, it's going to take me a while for just to what, stop can there. We, can, I don't, we, can we give him a, a, a byline? A suffix. That's okay. what that's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, pick up the... I don't know, man. Yeah, we'll figure he's it out. He's a pickup we, artist. We need, we need Wait, some... Wait, I got it. I got it. Okay. Jared Brandon. Hey, well, you're not on a game show. But anyways, <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Todd Noack. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs Podcast. We are so happy. We are, th- no, we are thrilled to death that you are with us uh, on our show tonight for a very good reason, because oh, yes. you are going to join us in our ears, in your ears, listening to a very, very... Important guest. Important guest. Who are you? Dave Hunter. Dave Hunter. Now, Dave Hunter, what are you famous for? Oh, I, how can I even answer that question? I, that, that's that's really putting me up there. But I wouldn't say I'm famous for anything. But some people have some of the books that I've written, and some people have read some of the magazines that I've also written. For. All right. So he's a he's a writer man. He writes the words that uh, get us get our fires all stoked up on guitar stuff. Uh, he's written several books, and tonight we have him on because he has a brand new book out, and we're going to get all up in that. It is really cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, he knows a thing or two about guitars, and um, and we're going to get into his history and why he knows a few thing about a few things about guitars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Jared, why why would people want to listen to this show? Oh, why would people want to listen? They want to hear about gear and pedals and Jared and <laughs> a little bit of Tony and I guess a lot of Todd because yeah. you talk all the time. And of course, <laughs> my favorite would be the one ones. Yeah, yeah, we just we so. just uh, did one, which is we going. Did. Yeah, that was super and duper fun. We talk fun. a lot about guitars. Well, that is the main focus. We feature that is correct. We feature predominantly the boutique builders of the world and major contributors to the guitar universe, like Dave, uh, who is on our show tonight. So we're really excited. We hope that you, if you're listening for the first time, I think you're really going to like it. I, I, I can vouch for that. Um, there's no guarantee, but I can vouch for it. So anyways, we're going to move on. We've got a couple of quick announcements and then we're going to find out what's going on in our music world this week. But first, but first I wanted to share a little note that I got, uh, on Instagram. This is from at dis. So it's got a clever name. His, uh, username is distortion, but it's spelled out distor underscore Sean. Uh-huh. Ah, clever lad. Yes. Uh, so he should we, be in the writing game. Yeah, right. He's he does a little bit of stuff out there. So you guys should check go. him out on Instagram. Um, so he says uh, we were going back and forth, and I said, "Hey, why don't you give us your four on the floor?" He says, "Oh man, what an honor! I was honestly thinking about this all day at work. So much harder than I initially thought, and would probably change every time I asked. Every time asked, but." I'm just going to get pretend I'm on the pod, so here we go. Number one, the Maris Enzo. That is a uh, luscious pedal. Mm. Uh, I make a lot of weird, crazy, ambient soundscape stuff, so this is perfect for so many sounds. Also, a great pitch shifter or filter slash wah. Started off weird. 
Number two, Old Blood Noise Endeavors Dark Star. That's a great pedal. We've actually oh, yes. featured that on yeah, here. Yeah, we have. Um, my go-to reverb. It usually it uh, use it mostly wet to make the attack off my guitar and make swells or drones. Can also sneak some modulation out of it with slightly offset pitches. Very cool. Nice. Number three, Earthquaker Cloven Hoof. Love the versatility here, subtle or brutal. Also love low gain after the reverb for shoegazy stuffs. Number four, the Chase Bliss Blooper. I'll always have a looper in my lineup, usually two or three, and this one's crazy, so I'm all about it. Mangled mini loops for the win can also get a great delay out of it. Dang, thanks for this. How fun. Metal horn emoji, smiley face emoji. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so thanks a lot, Distortion, for sending that over. And if you want to see what he's doing on Instagram, go check him out. Distor underscore Sean. So, uh, any further announcements? One, two? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Cody Lane is coming to Nashville. Ah, and Science of up. Sound. Yes, and we are going to hang out. Nice. Is he? Is his band coming, or is it? Is it? What's the? What is I the reason for the trip? I, I believe it's for work. Ah, yeah, very cool. So he's like, hey, I'm available Huge. this day and this day. So nice. You Huge take supporter him, of the show. You're gonna take him to the garage. Yeah, I think we're gonna. We'll probably meet in the garage and then go downtown and. Do Nashville, you know, get some barbecue and then drink some beer and watch some live music and honky tonks and all that kind of thing. So. Sounds fun, man. Sounds fun. And well, please say hello to him for us. Sure. I'm uh, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, well, right about now is we are going to hit the button on what is going on in our music worlds this week. We're going to start off with Tony, a.k.a. Tanya Bolonsky, and I will start introducing some of the other names that people have come up with you, for you <laughs> that I posted on Instagram. And if you'd like to add yours, just find it in our feed, and you can uh, add a few more aliases. That's right. Uh, and then right after that, we're going to hear from our friend Dave. Okay, so you want to start with me. I, as usual. As you usual. set the tone. I do set the tone. Tony. Yeah, please. Okay. So, uh, so this week, I finally started reassembling... Um, a project that I've kind of had in progress for a couple of years, and I got frustrated with the neck at one point. Um, so this is a reverse body Jaguar. And I, I enjoyed the, um, you know, Squire's take initially in their Vista series. They did the Supersonic, which was essentially uh, an upside-down uh, Jaguar, or Jazzmaster, and you know they said the inspiration for that was loosely based on a photo of Jimi Hendrix playing a Jazzmaster upside down. Um, so I um, I had a body cut and um, realized that you know it's not going to be for a lot of people because that you know on the on the uh, supersonic they actually shortened. What was the upper horn now is the lower horn, uh, but I wanted to be you know totally different. And since I try not to venture much beyond seven or eight frets, uh, it works out okay for me. <laughs> so this one has uh, you know it's it's like I said it's a reverse body. It's got body contouring where it shouldn't be. Um, and I've don't got, we all? Yes, and uh, and three uh, slanted Jaguar pickups, and the electronics are uh, three. Uh, 
Mustang switches. So. Hey, hey, speaking of the Jaguar pickups real quick. Yeah. Jared, pickup guy, what is the purpose of the, the little metal teeth I can that, answer are, that. that are around that? I know, but he's the pickup guy. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes I like to hear Tony's explanation. Because okay, he's a Tony, better you can speaker go than me. But it has something to do with the overall frequency response. But let's, let's hear what Tony says. The claw, as it's known on Jaguar pickups, the claw. was designed to raise the magnetic field on the pickup. Mm-hmm. So it basically is connected uh, to the pickup, grounded, and it it you know because of the the how they positioned and it, it, they're the the claw lengths underneath the treble st- the strings are shorter than the ones under the or that might be backwards I can't remember mm. Dave I can't remember either <laughs> I, I'd have to look at one yeah but but it's designed um, it was you know it's essentially a Strat pickup except. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, with the magnetic field raising, it, it does things a little bit different. It, it was designed to be a very bright pickup, mm-hmm. uh, which was... So it makes it brighter? It de- definitely makes them brighter. Yeah. Does it reinforce the magneticbloom.com? Uh, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and with the flux capacitor, it does wonderful yeah. things. Okay. Interesting. Um, now, uh, while we're on this subject real quick, why... I've never seen, you know, maybe there's a couple of boutique builders that have used them. I think maybe I've seen it on like one of the one or two of the Walsh guitars, maybe, but don't really see them out in the wild much, except for on a Jaguar. What's up with that? They didn't work very well, probably. That's you know, what's they, up with that. It wasn't a it wasn't a hugely successful design. Some people make good replacements, right? Like um, Curtis Novak. Curtis Novak, and I think. Cree, uh, is it Mojo Pickups or Cream Tone or somebody in the UK makes makes mm. some pretty well-respected ones, you know? I forget which of those it is, but the same ones that make a lot of good jazz. Oh, yeah. Were those ones on the Johnny Marr? I think they might have been. Be, it might be Creamery. Creamery, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So and Brandon I think they weren't that hugely successful, though, were they? You know, um, you know, or they would have started putting them on everything. I think it was just a notion that, they thought this might do that, but it seemed like it was probably a lot of guesswork. You know, like if we stick this on here, that'll do something. <laughs> yeah, right. it should. To some yeah. extent. If nothing so, else, it makes them shinier. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Jared would know this, but also it probably increases the Henry somewhat, you know, because it's going to change the metal, you know, the, the content. Well, yeah, because the magnetic, the magnetic bloom is actually traveling through, traveling through that metal uh, and it, it disrupts it. Yeah, dot com, hmm. whatever. Uh, but uh, Brandon Wound has. You know, before I left there, we started. You, we we had a bunch of claws cut out of aluminum. Ah, and so we just we don't do the whole U-shaped claw. If you totally dissemble it from the pickup, it's just a U-shaped claw. We just do the two sides, and we actually glue them to the sides of the uh, pickup cover. And what that does is it. Since aluminum aluminum is non-ferrous, yeah, you get that you get more of a useful strat sound. So you could, you know, beef up the pickup and make it a little more mid-strong and have a more useful pickup set in a Jaguar, and still have that look of the metal claw. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, you know, like like you say, I mean, they're pretty cool pickups and they could sound great under the certain circumstances. But I think most people did find they were a little too bright and thin mm-hmm. overall. Yep. Anyway, you know. Interesting. Well, yeah. 
All right. I found, I got a whole bunch of answers there. I love it. <laughs> what else you want to know? Uh, nothing. So, wanna, so yeah. yeah, the only other thing that I was saying, I, I put uh, three uh, Mustang switches. So in the middle position, uh, the pickups are off. And then in the down position, down position, they're in phase. So I can have any combination of in and out of phase of mm. those particular pickups. Very and cool. So, yeah, just something, you know, in my spare time. Yeah, yeah something. Yeah, something. David, what's going on in your music world this week? You know, um, rehearsing for my band, we're finally able to get back out like some people are now, which is great, you know, after two years of doing, you know, nothing but playing with yourself, as the saying goes. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just, just kind of getting back to it. Not, I mean, gear-wise, I'm just kind of chopping and changing. I did, Brandon, you're down there, but I did pick up a really nice Murphy Lab 57 gold top that I like a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's great. Uh, just, just walking by? Just, just walking by. Just grab on whose it was, but it's mine now. Finders, finders keepers. Was, was that um, not too long ago? Because I saw a gold top down or or i actually i just got for some reason i got sidetracked and i thought you were speaking of an original one and i do re, you remember saying murphy lab yeah did you, did you pick it up at the uh at the garage there i did not I, I did but i did earlier you know acquire something else from the garage but um i did not get this from there i just found it at a dealer and they you know offered a pretty good price and i couldn't could resist it because i really like what they're doing with that stuff you know and I, I become an old you know i didn't start off thinking the relic thing was necessary and all that for me like going back you know unless you're restoring an old guitar like you used to you know the neck was already worn and you're refinishing it so you wanted to make it look like they matched and that kind of thing you know mm -hmm. but um you know i really like, i mean aside from the fact that they're making great guitars i like the you know, I just like the way it plays, you know. Um, otherwise, it's been all, you know, Fender history and that kind of stuff and old Fenders for me around here. But um, musically, I'm just excited to to be getting together in rooms with people and playing again, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to think about. And I find when I'm the more I'm actually playing in real situations, the less I'm sort of spending my time fussing around with gear and changing my stuff you know and swapping my pedals every other day and stuff it's just like well this works i'm gonna play so i'm gonna actually go out and do what i'm supposed to do with it you know yeah nice nice so what's the name of your band well and what we're, kind of we're, music? we're gonna get oh, in all that just relax <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna interview him man oh is that what this show is yeah. about he's got a he's got a long history sorry todd uh let's see jared about yourself so what's the name of your... No. Um, oh, you thank you, Jared. Ah, so I uh, was in Ohio last week, and I got to do the last podcast with you guys in person, which mm -hmm. was That was sweet. It was awesome. Uh, I went, and then I had a, a slice with Todski afterwards. That was awesome. And uh, and then the, the next day, I got up and went up to Lay's Guitars, repair and they also have the loft um and a long time ago you well not a long time ago about four or five years ago you walk in and there's the old guys in the back working on all the guitars and there's old don and and uh another fella that i forgot his it's name. like old town main street in an old, old town, town glass front shop and a whole bunch of old guys in there yeah working on wood that's never i, I mean, go up there now it's a time the, uh, capsule it it was it was but yeah. they've remodeled it you walk in now and you go in the back it's still you know old timey looking it's 
but it's a lot more clean. It's it's very organized, and there's only Dan, uh, Dan Shin and his brother, and they're the oldest ones there. The, what town is this in, Jerry? I missed the, the Akron, town. Ohio. Oh, in Akron. Okay. Yeah. So now it's Dan's daughter. She's working on guitars. She's really she's uh from what I've heard, she's really good at it. And then these two younger gentlemen younger than me and i just i felt weird i used to like to go in there and you know just rub elbows with the old guys and make fun of them for being old and now i can't <laughs> now i'm one of the old guys that walk in i'm just the old annoying fat guy that walks in there now to these younger kids what what did uh, the old annoying fat guy pick up when he was there uh yeah so uh yeah I got me a D20, a D1228. Yeah, it's a 1976 D1228. Is it a D2812 string? Yes, it is. Then it's a D2812. D2812, 121212, D28. 10-4. Okay. So anyway, it's a beautiful 12-string Martin guitar from 1976. That's the one and you were talking about a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah. It is. And I cannot believe how easy... It is to play this guitar, huh. and it's nice. The neck is straight as an arrow. Um, I, I think it sat. I think it sat in a closet for a long time too, because it's uh, in very good shape. Uh, kind of like your guitar, Tony Balinski, that Gibson that you brought in. Oh it's, yes, it's, it's old, but it's in a really good shape. The neck is is straight as could be. Like I said before, uh, the bridges too. It's not popping out or anything. Sounds really good. Uh, really impressed with it. Super happy with it. Glad I have it. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I had a good time there, and uh, I drove. I drove back out of a, uh, a rental car. It's all black, and uh, I got pulled over. Huh? And Wonder I why? Was doing, I was doing maybe uh, yeah. four or five over, <laughs> and and uh, the cop. No, mm. uh, I was just going with the flow. It was raining, and the. And the cop said there was another cop off duty that said I was going 90 and fishtailing everywhere. Oh, boy. I, that I, I could believe. Yeah, I believe that. No. So I said, yeah, no, not me. I wasn't going that fast. This car does can't even fishtail. It's all-wheel drive. So, you know, there goes that. And he came back. He said, well, yeah. It's my cousin Vinny over here. Can't get you. <laughs> can't all right. Get you. So he, I did not get anything. I got a little warning or whatever. Uh, well, you got lucky. Yeah, I'd say I did. So. The guy, guy he couldn't prove anything anyway. Yeah. So. Well, Todd, what about you? What about you? Did I, you get pulled over? I didn't, but uh, I pulled over to Tony's uh, and dropped off the book that we're going to talk about, and I picked up uh, the the Rickenbacker that we you were have. discussing. A Rickenbacker? Yeah, a Rickenbacker. One of the. One of the. One of several. He had, he's like, well, there's this one and 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 this one. Yeah, we went through a few. We did. So Tony let me borrow his, was it the red, It's the what's the burst called? The red burst? Fire glow. Fire glow. That's right. That was a test. You passed. Okay. And that's a 330. Well, it's a Rose Morse 1997. Rose Morse 1997. So it's got the F hole in it instead of the F hole. Yeah. Standard F hole instead of the slash. Yeah. Which for some reason I was like, but whatever. And I took that home and I played a couple of my guitars just so I could hear like what the sound difference is, the major sound difference. And I played it through the Supro, uh, Black Magic, 
and I didn't put any, I didn't run any pedals on it at all. Um, all I did was just kind just of as like God pumped intended. up, pumped up the, uh, uh, the literal volume on the Supro yep. and just so where it was pushing and then plugged in the Rickenbacker and it sounded absolutely fantastic. I mean, it really sounded good, especially through that Supro, which is not a, a bright amp. It's mm-hmm. not dark. I mean, it's, it's warm. It isn't, it doesn't sound, it's not real dark sounding or anything. Um, and it, uh, it's, I, I it sounded great. And it, it's funny because it's one of those guitars where it's known for certain sounds. And, so I started playing a couple things that I knew to be of, of you know, that ilk. And I was like, wow, that's the sound. It's right there. Yep. I mean, it's unmistakable. Yep. And it's pretty neat. This is a particularly good one. This, yeah. is, this is one of the reissue uh, Rose Morse models. Uh, huh. About out, out of every 330 or 360 that I've owned, it is, it's by far one of my favorites. It sounded great. That ne- I really, really like the neck on it. I mean, I, it, yeah. if I get when I do another guitar, I, that's I will probably ask for that like two spec neck profile. The neck is something people have trouble with too, isn't it? So if anything, to some extent, yeah. they they can be. You know, and, and that's it's we uh, we just did a, a Rickenbacker one hundred and one uh, with Kenny Howes uh, last week. And, um, you know, it's one of those things. People either love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. This one, and I, you know, I, I, a number of other people have borrowed it to it play. It feels like a Telecaster neck. I'm like, yeah, a bit, it's, a it's, it, it is. It's, I mean, it's thin, but it's not as thin as some of the Ricks that I've owned over the years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one feels really good. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, like any other guitar company they they hit one out of the ballpark every once in a while and i think this is one of them that's great yeah it's a little on the uh uh how do i not light. it's not light like in as in weight it just feels i'm used to um more substantial feeling guitars and this was yeah. less substantial, but that's the nature of the, yeah, of the that's, guitar. That's why mm-hmm. Pete Townsend loved to wreck them because yeah. <laughs> he couldn't smash up strats and tell It, it <laughs> feels like it would easily wreck the, the body. The body. Uh, you could probably do some damage. Yeah, uh, but it was it was a real delight to play. So thank you for letting me borrow that anytime, Anthony. All right, we are gonna do this right now. Hey, Jared. Yo, Blonsky. So if your Martin D2812 was electric, mm-hmm. <laughs> would you be able to run that through a pedal board? You could, yes. And, yes. I mean, how would you do that? I mean, would you just plug it in and use a bunch of crazy, goofy, extra-long, weird patch cables? Mismatch- nice guitar, no way. Mismatchy cables? What would no. you do? What would you do? I would absolutely, positively, without a doubt, use... Tour gear design patch cord cables. That sounds like a good idea, but can you afford that? <laughs> Absolutely. They range uh, all bunch of different sizes and shapes and whatnot, and they start around under six dollars a piece. Wow. Yep. Are can they you? are they reliable though? Yeah, they're absolutely reliable. They fit everywhere onto the pedal. Uh, especially the pe- the tiny little mini pedals with the rear jack uh, 
whatevers and they all fit everywhere because they're tiny and durable. Yes, wow. they are. You can go to tourgeardesigns.com forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs or just go to tourgeardesigns.com and in the coupon code, just put in the guitar knobs. The guitar knobs and save yourself 10%. 10%. And now 10% on, on already, already greatly Great priced, not yes. greatly priced. Easy for you to say. I, mean, I can't talk today. I quit. Mm. You're telling yeah. me that? I'm telling you that. In fact, somebody posted uh, this week, uh, they, they basically just bought a whole bunch of cables. They're redoing their whole board. And I was like, smart awesome. move. That's that's a great move. So tourgeardesigns.com and go get your 10% off with the coupon code, the guitar knobs. You will be happy, happy, happy. And now, Jared. Let me get a little bit of this. Uh, one, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, Dave Hunter, thank you so much for joining. I know what you did. <laughs> our show, our show uh, today. We're we're really happy to have you, and we desperately want to hear your four on the floor. Oh, well, I'm going to start off with a crazy, strangely rehoused pedal, but it's a Roger Mayer Spitfire pedal. Spitfire Fuzz. Does anybody know that one? You've Ooh. probably seen it. It's in the red. It's in his rocket-shaped enclosure. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And it's it's the red one, and it's called Spitfire Fuzz. And um, I got this pedal from Roger Mayer himself. This might take up my entire four on the floor. Wow. But um, when I was writing the guitar pedal handbook, and this is it, when I still lived in southwest London, my wife and I and our – Two kids, I think we had then. Maybe we just had one. Lived in uh, Teddington in southwest London, um, which was a stone's throw from where Roger Mayer himself lived. And I had known him through the course of being an editor of the guitar magazine in London over there and had gone freelance and was just writing this guitar pedal book. And Roger said, well, yeah, I'll come and talk to you about the pedals. So he sat out at this pub in the beer garden for a couple hours and talked about pedals. Oh, and man. I recorded his interview. And his, his interview is in that book. I don't know if... If that's one that Tony has or not. Oh, but, yeah, I have. Um, yeah, Roger's in there. And Roger became a really good friend. Um, and anecdotally, I was, and this all sounds all boastful, but maybe people don't care <laughs> who Roger Mayer's friends are anyway. But uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. But I was the only guy that year who wasn't part of the company to be invited to the company Christmas party. So that was kind of oh, exciting. Oh, that's very me. cool. Wow. Isn't that kind of cool? That's and there's, super there's cool. A, there's a picture of Roger out on the internet, and I think a picture must be in that book too. I think it's his portrait in the book, but it's Roger standing in a gardeny looking area, smiling and holding up a red uh, Spitfire fuzz pedal. And you can just probably Google Roger Mayer Spitfire fuzz and find that. And no, I we didn't that. just do that. What are you talking you about? You didn't just do that, of course not. <laughs> but, but I I took that picture of him myself in the in that in that beer garden when he was about four pints in, and I nice. I was probably only. I was probably only two pints in, but Roger's a, a loquacious guy and a, a real character and, a, and an extremely brilliant guy too. Um, and that's and that's just a great sounding, straight up kind of fuzz. It's a kind of slightly later '70s era silicone fuzz, you know, not a germanium mm -hmm. fuzz, um, but it's really simple. Two knobs, and it's kind of his like update on that old two knob smiley face platform you know yeah. uh, to some extent but it's just reliable you can go from being a kind of a light-ish distortion to just being kind of a nasty early to mid 70s fuzz and it's just a cool sounding pedal and it has a lot of sentimentality attached to it 
and oh, yeah, they are definitely. not there. Well, I know there's there's a handful of different versions of that, but the original red ones are not cheap. It doesn't seem like they are. I mean, and this wasn't way way back. This was. You know, this the one I've got from him is like 2002 or something, 2003 maybe, mm. which is when we were, were talking at that time. Um, yeah, and I don't think you see a whole lot of those around. Um, so that, that was a fun one. My second one I'm going to go with, you know, it's this gets challenging. I think I'm going to go with the Blackout Musket Fuzz. It's another fuzz. And I don't, and it, this seems odd because currently I don't have either of these fuzzes on my board, but I, just because they don't suit entirely what, you know, we're doing in the, in the current band, but they're, it's something I enjoy a ton. And I love Blackout Effector's Musket Fuzz because it just has a lot of controllable parameters, but without getting, you know, sometimes if you stick too many knobs on a fuzz pedal, it just kind of gets weird and you can't even find the settings where the thing actually sounds any good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this one I think just sounds fantastic. You know, you can get a whole range of, of kind of voicings out of it. And yet so much of it just sounds gnarly and chewy and just really thick and heavy, but yet dynamic and controllable. And awesome. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Very and I cool. had, they did a double one, you know, how Earthquaker does the double. Is it um, hoof reaper? I think they do a double one. Mm-hmm. Um, and blackout does a double musket something. And I forget what the second one is there. And I, had the two of them together, but it was too many, you know, it was too big and I didn't need the second one all that much. So I just got the, the straight up musket. Nice. Yeah. I like that guy. Um, full tone super trem. I like that pedal a lot. Um, and I've been a tremolo addict for many years and you know, there are times when that was almost the only pedal I needed to have in some ways. There is a lot of tremolo in your music. There, oh yeah, you checked it out, it. didn't you? In that oh, yeah. the, the early, the earlier stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, the super trem, I've, I've tried a lot of tremolo pedals, and you know, a lot of trems on amps and stuff. And used to think I had to have an amp that had trem built in, but the super trem was so good, I thought, like, why do you limit yourself to amps that have tremolo built in? Because it just sounds great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even like it. I've been using it like as a signal conditioner with the intensity turned all the way down and the speed all the way down so you don't hear any tremolo effect but it just sweetens the signal and sounds fantastic like for recording if you're just doing a dry track or something um, that's a great pedal i have one of those yeah have had Do you it. like that yeah yeah that's yeah i mean i was in uh, you know going down the same rabbit hole trying to find the perfect um you know trem and yeah because you know, i had a couple of amps at the time that you know didn't have that in it built into it yeah and uh that that one i mean i i I think out of everything that i tried that's the only one that i've kept although i am tempted to to pick up one of the uh strymon flints Mm. you know i've got a flint and the the flint does sound good and just now i'm also i'm occasionally using the flint on one board you know when there's depending on what needs to be bundled with what you know if it needs a reverb and stuff like that you know just because it's handy having the two together mm-hmm. and the and the variations in that harmonic vibrato and the flint does sound really good if you want that kind of almost phasey sound phasery kind of analog phasery type sound mm-hmm. out yeah of that. yeah yeah no that and that's a such a clever product from strymon anyway mm-hmm. um but yeah but this full tone super trim cool stuff and is that four no no that was only three it was only three. I was then going to go with, uh, and strangely, you know, this is another one that's not on my board. I mean, I could run through what's on the board. There's not a whole lot on there because it's pretty much just straight up kind of 
indie rock power pop stuff. But um, I'd say the Voodoo Lab Wazoo is something I mm. was remembering a couple days ago that I enjoyed a lot because I got it out to put it, it all, you know, you have to have it in front of a fuzz. And then it's just not even considering the Ottawa and Stepwa functions. I don't know if that pedal's gotten a whole lot of credit, but it's just, I think it's a really good sounding Wawa pedal. And it's got that really vocal kind of slightly gnarly if you catch it just in the right place and i don't mean for a cocked wall sound but you know actually moving it you can just really get it to do that vowely sort of thing mm-hmm. make it sound like it's talking especially through the right fuzz like vowel oh, yeah. vowel that's the one the wow wow pedal um and i and i used that a lot on a project a few years ago and we just kind of got really hooked on it and just thought this was a lot of fun so that's the four the voodoo lab was it was sweet that's that's a great that's three brand new ones that we've added to yeah the list yeah I, you uh, must have done what before the super trim you must have done oh well, no, yeah that was on yeah super, super trim has <laughs> been on before but the other three have not nice yeah i, I love it go. when we get new ones uh, that was a delightful list and uh, 10 extra points for having, uh, you know, you can you can tell when we've got a writer on because uh, you get a you get a 25 cent word like loquacious, <laughs> which for those who are like still trying to figure out what loquacious is. Um, it cost me 50 cents earlier. Today, yeah. so. <laughs> and that one You're probably cost cost you several bucks for the You're pints. It cheap. <laughs> mm. uh, but that is tending to talk a great deal or talkative. Go. There yes. you go. Ah. Um, so, Mr. Man, we got to talk to you about this amazing book in front of us. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna set this up, and we're gonna like kind of step back a little bit and kind of f- talk about like how you came into being able to do this. Then we're gonna go back into the deep stuff of the book. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, explain to our uh, audience. What book we have in front of us? The book is called Fender 75 Years, and that's just like the short, snappy title that tells you that it's the the authorized 75th anniversary Fender history book. Um, And it was published by Quarto Books. Actually, I think it's the imprint Motor Books is probably on the spine. I have to turn around and look on the shelf. But um, it's authorized by Fender, so it's kind of a licensed, you know, fully participant sort of thing with Fender involved. Um, and that's what it is. It's just the to celebrate, since Fender itself was officially founded in 1946, this is the 75th anniversary of the company. So we thought it was important to put a book out and celebrate. It's kind of interesting that I, I don't recall hearing an awful lot about the 75 years this year from Fender. You know what? It, it, that is kind of... And the funny thing is um, they have been putting it on some of the promotional material and on some of the releases and things like that recently. Um, if you, you look at certain things, you'll see it. I started to see it appearing. Um, but it was something that they, they weren't overtly leaning into, you know. And um, my editor, Dennis Pernu at Cordo, who's a, who's a great um, – project editor and put kind of put the whole idea together and then you know talk to me about if i'd like to do it and i said sure i would you know so i have to give him credit for kind of uh just designing the whole idea in the first place and went to fender and kind of said it's your 75th anniversary and they said oh okay okay." (laughs) which is really weird considering you know i i I figure 
a lot of us listening right now, including myself, have a 50th, uh, a 50th anniversary model from them. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and 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 these and the big companies, you know, usually like an excuse to celebrate anything because it, right. it's an occasion to do that. And they and they a big one. Oh yeah, and they and they did really get into it, you know. And it's um, it was just kind of like, oh, thank God somebody mentioned it, you know. Because, <laughs> wow, yeah. But they were, but they were really supportive, and uh, you know, several people there helped out a lot with the research. And with opening up the photo archives, that was the big one, really, and doing a lot of, you know, putting in a lot of hours and a lot of, you know, figurative legwork, digging out a lot of old photos and provided piles and piles of stuff, digitally speaking, you know. Um, well, I, I just and, wanted to congratulate you on being able to con consolidate what could have been thousands of pages. Each, I mean, <laughs> actually, every chapter could have been its own book. Uh, but you were yeah. able to condense all of that down into 224 pages, and it covers everything from the very beginning to even some of the newest stuff that's out there. So congratulations on that. That that had to be a tremendous the beginning. I mean, it, thanks, Tony. I appreciate that. I mean, I, um, I, I I have a lot of books, and and some of them really dive deep. And this one, uh, I will say this: that this is probably if you're going to own one Fender book. And you want just the general knowledge of, of Fender from the beginning to current, this is probably the one to get because you, it doesn't take a deep dive in a lot of areas. But we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about some of the things that I really I, liked I want to in each chapter. Your statement. I, I would like to maybe maybe just add a little like asterisk when you said a the flourish. general knowledge. What I found to be remarkable about this is that I got that general knowledge, but I. Every time I turned the page, I got enough of something that was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I got a lot of I didn't know that's in here. Um, and that, to me, that was really the, the neat thing because I wasn't like, wow, this is going to be a real commitment to go through. And it wasn't so lightweight. And this is something that David and I talked about uh, before you came on the show. Yeah, You know, is this, should we look at this like a coffee table book, like just a really cool picture book? Or is this the kind where you're just like, okay, I've, I'm 25 pages in and I, I, I can't see straight because there's so much information and it's sort of information overload to the point where it's like, I don't know that I need all this. And you absolutely hit the sweet spot on this. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for both observations. Cause that was really the challenge. And it was, um, and again, Dennis uh, at Dennis Perno at Cordo was you know we talked this through a lot together and just you know worked hard at deciding how to how to pitch it because you can't this has got to be Fender's big there this is their one big seventy fifth anniversary book and it's got to try to encompass just about everything they've done in seventy five years and if you do that with so much detail that only the really uh, most severely afflicted guitar nerds are going to be interested, then mm -hmm. you're going to lose a lot of people's interest. And at the same time, one of the things that a lot of people, and I, I'm, I'm not going to read the reviews of these, these books. I try not to, because, you know, out of all the nice things that people say, you always get some idiot that pisses you off for the next <laughs> two weeks. But, um, you know, in, in, in the case like this one, there's going to be somebody saying, well, they didn't cover this, they didn't cover that, and they didn't, but, but there was a strict, a strict limit, a word count limit, imposed on me that was really probably about half of the amount of words I would write for the average book or even less than half. And it wasn't like, 
you know, do more if you want to. It was like, no, you can't do more because this is, they've got production costs and every color picture costs a lot to print and, yeah, and yeah. license and all that stuff. So you can't write more than 35,000 words because we're not going to print more than 35,000 words and the pages are going to, you know, everything's going to fit this way. It was really right. strictly laid out, you know. So yeah, I, I do feel there are things that could have been in there that aren't and yet because fenders you know had their fingers in so many other crazy ideas over the years that don't get a lot of play but it would be like well if i didn't include that what should i have left out you know instead to put it in you know well you know as someone who also works in an industry that uh, you know all of my work is guided by parameters um, yeah and I can appreciate the one thing that I love about parameters, and this is why I didn't become like a fine artist or something, is because I thrive off of working uh, from boundaries. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people do, and in, and a lot of things they're essential. And then that's a kind of window into the publishing industry too, whether it's magazines or books or newspapers or whatever. You know, like if somebody's at the New York Times is uncovering an expose on something, they'll say, yeah, go for it, do what you need. But mm-hmm. if it's a if it's a book, you know, there's always a limit. You know, they don't want less than X 80,000 words, but don't give us more than 90,000 because it's, we're going to lose our shirts in, you know, reproduction and print costs right. and all that stuff, you know. So it's it's kind of like, well, this is we're going to get what we can get in here. But it was it was fun and it was part of the challenge with the Fender 75 Years book because – it's, you know, so many of those stories, a lot of guitar guys and gals know, obviously, right? And and we're familiar with a lot of this stuff, but how can we present this in a kind of a historical and social context Yeah, that is, you know, interesting and somewhat fresh and make it a narrative that's worth reading rather than just a list of facts and bullet points and stuff and, you know, and give some, you know, why a new pickup development was important and how they learned to make something differently with a neck attachment or with a truss rod or something, you know, that, that some, some reader might not be interested, yeah. but without going so deep that it just gets over the top and everybody, you know, other, you know, 99 out of a hundred people want to put it away, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, bullet points, that's one of the things that I really liked that because especially earlier chapters, yeah. each chapter kind of is a recap and it, and it, it, and it talks about some of the firsts, some of the the prominent features, you know, when you're talking about like a, the Strat and the Tremolo and different things yeah. like that, and and even some of the, uh, you know, uh, like the Tolex coverings when it shifted over from Tweed into Tolex, and yeah, I, I thought I thought, and and there were a lot of photos in this book that I hadn't seen before. Uh, that I thought were really cool. And I think even if, you know, there's other people Mm. like me that are book nerds and have other Fender books, this one still has a place in the collection. That was important too. And that was, that was part of the fun for me, you know, although I'm, you know, like titled as the, the writer on there, it's, it's fun to participate in, you know, and put a lot of my time into trying to track down just the right photos and conferring about which photos were worth showing because they tell part of the story, you know, since we were limiting the words to some extent and which is not to imply, like if anybody picks up the book, as, as you would say, you know, you wouldn't look through them and think, Oh, there aren't many words in here. It's still, you know, <laughs> no, it's perfectly right full book, you know, and it tells the story and it's still narrative there, but we wanted the pictures to tell a lot of that story and to really, you know, we, we had probably about 20 pictures left on the cutting room floor for every one photo we used. They were yeah. all, interesting we, stuff you know but you know what they say about pictures 
I mean, that's exactly right. See, and, and count, those, count, count those pictures. There's a lot yeah, more words in here than you words. think. Yeah. Especially <laughs> pictures of Stratocasters. <laughs> those are worth 10, 12,000. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. uh, Dave, I think when I came to drop the uh, the book off to Tony, the the biggest thing that I was, that we were sharing on the, on the porch was just that point that he was making about, um, I found myself going through this and I kept saying, wow wow because you know i think there's so many things that we take for granted Mm. that have just always been you know like it's it's like tolex it's not something we think about but he figured that out he's like you know what we should put on these things this stuff Tolex. Why not Tolex? Plastics. It's the future. I can get it for for 10 cents a foot. I know. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And and it does, uh, and that was fun. I mean, fun for me because I feel like it was, you know, discovering, rediscovering the story myself as I worked through it. But, you know, just that, yeah, I think that was another part of the objective, obviously, too, is to show them as a, you know, they're a company with regular people in there coming up with ideas and working to make good products and putting this stuff together. And every so often in the process of that, they're, they're really hitting the ground with these, you know, groundbreaking ideas that are revolutionizing, uh, the the music industry and, you know, having an impact on popular music in the process, you know, not just the stuff you make it with, but the sounds that people make and the way music goes, as an art form. Right. You know? Well, I think you just uh, touched on something important. This is not a dusty old archive of like, remember the days when, it, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it, it is very much, we are here because of these things, but also we are here yes. at now at this point. No, thanks. That's a good point too. And also, you know, Fender as a company was very, uh, very interested and concerned to make sure we did you know because it's very easy to lean on the old history and mm-hmm. you know everyone has to admit that's you know the pre-cbs years and maybe up to the, some of the late 60s and stuff sure that's what everybody dreams about because those are the that's the gear people want to own but you know as far as the artists who are using it today or in recent years and the the gear that a lot of working musicians have turned to in r- more recent years you know we wanted to give that justice and show a lot of the younger artists you know and um show a broad range show some diversity in there yeah. and, and show what the you know what the the fender player looks like there's a big giant today. picture of johnny marr who's one of my absolute favorites who yeah, we mentioned on the go. show earlier so yeah <laughs> uh, and i think we even got Biba doobie in there who i who I just kind of went crazy over a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite parts of this, and, and you know, it was early on in the book, but uh, I've heard about this before, the, this message, this, this sort of, uh, it's not really a threat so much as, as a, you should stop now. Yeah. Uh, from Gretsch. Yeah, oh, the, the, yeah, the, a yeah. picture of the actual telegraph, the actual that, telegram, that, Gret, yeah. that Gretsch <laughs> sent to Clarence, uh, like, you need to stop. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Me. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's a great story, but yeah, it's fun to see the telegram. And then I think we got it in there. I should have the book in front of me. But um, the letter that Don Randall wrote to send out to all the sales managers about, yeah, we it's... have to stop using this name. Does anybody have an idea yeah. for a new one? <laughs> yeah, it's on the same page as the copy as the telegram. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's something. I mean, I I think I maybe knew the telegram existed, so we found that. But I don't think I had seen that Randall letter before, and that was something that uh, oh. you know one of the Fender guys went in there and dug out for us. You know, you know, 
I, I like to think that some smart guy said, so, uh, so we need to rename this because of this telegram that somebody got. Yeah. Ooh, telegram. It's, it's, it's the, let's call it the <laughs> telecaster <laughs> for the telegram. <laughs> you would think, and yet that's not the story, no, right? No, no. <laughs> Someone well, far, much, much more clever. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, let, let's, uh, let's let people kind of slobber over this for a second um, and go hit. Uh, first of all, where can people get this thing? Yeah, I want one. You can get it at your your favorite bookseller. I mean, the usual, the the big name, you know, the biggest business in the world sells them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we all know who that is. Uh, the publisher sells them direct, I believe, which I didn't realize. I think I pointed somebody to them the other day um, at Quarto Books. Uh, I don't know if it's .com. You'll find them. They're out there. Yeah, I think um, it's actually on the spine. Uh, it, it has, by the way, it, it, it's 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 this beautiful book, and it has a uh, it, it comes in a slip. Is that what you call a slip cover? What would you call yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a thick cardboard uh, slip cover that kind of looks like a Fender amp. Yeah, a it's Fender a tweed, tweed, like a little narrow box that it slides into, which is like a little tweed box. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is quartonose.com. There you go. Q u a r t o knows.com so you can get it directly from them too um, exactly now okay let's let's let people do that uh, now somebody they didn't just pull a writer off the street to do this you've got history doing this but somehow you had to get history because they couldn't just pull a writer off the street to do your other books either so how hmm. does someone help us understand your background and why you are qualified for this how do you get into this game? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, this might be my 18th book. Maybe Tony probably knows Yeah, it's, it's up there. I know it's more than a dozen. So, <laughs> it's yeah. something like that. But um, I, I got into this as a way of messing around with guitars and amps and gear and still making, you know, something of a, a steady living. You know, I was... Um, I was an English major in college, and everybody knows what that leads to. I went to Kenyon College in Ohio. It leads to loquaciousness. Yeah, and I grew up in Cincinnati, and it does lead to loquaciousness. Yeah, so I I should have said that earlier, but I'm an Ohio boy myself. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. and um, But yeah, so I I went after college. I went over to London and played in bands for a while and um, then ended up marrying a woman that I'd met – on a junior exchange program and we lived there for years and I played in bands for a few years and realized as you know 999 out of a thousand guitarists realize you you know and it's it's a hard way to make a living so mm. so I I had always written and I'd always been interested in journalism so I sort of segued into into journalism and didn't do any music journalism for eight or ten years because I thought I'll keep them separate because I was still playing and stuff and then a uh, job came up uh, as a music editor at a news agency, was just general music editor. So I did that for a while. And then a job came up as the editor of a guitar magazine. And I thought, oh, you know, why the hell not? You might as well go and, you know, blank where you eat or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> which magazine or, was right that? Where you it eat. was called, it's called the Guitar Magazine, um, which is, that's, it's the same magazine that, that is now published online at guitar.com. Um, Oh, gotcha. Which is, okay. Which is a real coup of, an, of a URL to get, obviously. But um, 
Um, so I was the editor there for three or four years and then, you know, kind of went sideways and started doing the books and working freelance for guitar magazines and moved back to the U.S. in 2004 and started writing for Guitar Player and Vintage Guitar while still doing other books. So it was just kind of, it was, it was really, I guess, I mean, it, I guess it is kind of a perfect storm to have kind of been a journalist by trade and a musician and just kind of say, oh, well, let's put them together, you know? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. it's like, you're like Bob Euchre. <laughs> uh, Why thank different. you <laughs> in so many ways? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I so, thought you were going to say you got into into the writing side of it, uh, so you could have legitimate tax write offs for your guitar purchases. <laughs> you know, I, I no, but I did find that that's really really convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just starting to learn that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, surgery. you can do it. I haven't too, applied now. it. I'm just learning about it. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was so that was it. I mean, so I, you know, really did go through the kind of writing side of the trade, you know, kind of straight up journalism and then feature writing and stuff like that. And but being up into an editorial position in in that, you know. So it was it was um, you know, it, it it's and it's fun work, like you know, it's as you would think. Like a lot of guys, I'm sure, envy friends of yours, envy the kind of what you're doing here with guitar knobs because it's great and fun and everything. You think, God, what a blast to be able to do that, you know, and to write about guitars and mess with guitars all day and stuff. But you know, it is also it's also a, it's a job. You know, <laughs> there are times when you think, yeah. like, I'm, I'm sick of, I want to, I don't want to see another <laughs> guitar today. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, I mean, a book like this. How long does it take to, you know, from conception to finished product? This was probably, um, I'm trying to think. I have to go back and look at my planner when I said start Fender 75 book today. Um, <laughs> this was probably four, five, six months. I mean, okay. it's probably about four months of writing and, um, you know, a couple months of picking up all That's the really fast. production pieces. I thought you were going to say years, but well, yeah. No, I, I was thinking maybe it was about, seven to nine months yeah you know what it's kind of pretty much just get down to it and do it i mean because when it's going like i said this one's shorter than usual it's like thirty-five thousand. i think was the limit i was given which is still a lot of words obviously and i you know i think if i'll get down to it, it'll be 1500 or 2000 words a day once you kind of get going um and then you you know you obviously go back over it and then make it good <laughs> but um it's you know a, a lot of it then is just kind of also the production aspects and sort of like we said the, the a lot of legwork chasing photos and a lot of what what we wanted to do for this um which i think we might have spoken about todd is we didn't want a lot of the standard flat against neutral background guitars and amps and stuff like like you used to have all the time in guitar mm-hmm. books you know and like there's nothing wrong with a guitar that looks like somebody's played it for 50 years or you know an amp that's got maybe it's got a changed speaker when you look around the back or it's got a, some dinged up tweed or tolex or it's whatever. not a museum book it's not a museum piece because you want stuff that people look like they've really played and when you see an immaculate museum piece that's cool too and you you know it's nice to see those and you show them but like the guitars, you know, leaning against other gear or in cases or in a, you know, dusty bar or something like that. You know, it's it's kind of more interesting to see them in context, I think, than just to see the flat. You know, we dragged them all into the studio one day and shot 200 guitars against a black, a white backdrop, you know. Mm-hmm. That's um, a massacre. 
Yeah, exactly. And the blood was everywhere. Um, but, you know, that was part of the fun. Too. And, you know, some, some you know, so-called just ordinary Joes contributed photos of people I, you know, bumped into online or knew of who had something or, or vintage dealers or, and got in touch and said, hey, are, are you, do you have somebody who can take a really good high quality picture of that thing? And, you know, sure enough, it would end up we'd just get people for the fun of it contributing a, a picture here or there to something we didn't have, you know, yeah. um, and that's half of the fun too. Yeah. Wow. So I, I have a question for you. Um, Jared. <laughs> if, if Fender called you up tomorrow and said, Hey, uh, Mr. Hunter, we really appreciate your book, uh, that you wrote about Fender, but we would no. like, no, 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 not about, <laughs> we would like to offer you one current model of your choice on our mm. normal USA line, what would that in in not not made in Mexico, not custom shop, just normal USA yeah. line? What model would you choose? Oh, that is a good question. And first, I would say I can't do that because I'm a pro- professional and I you know cannot imply. But this would be different because I did write the book, you know, to make somewhat sense. for Fender. And it, well, yeah. And in this case, I actually, what I think about it for a while, I'd say, no, you know what, you're right. I can I can take that. <laughs> Thanks very much. I did think it over and I you know computed all the ethical ramifications. And now I'm gonna <laughs> thank you very much. I think I would take, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a Telly attic, but I think I would probably go with a jazz master for fun, you know? Nice. Interesting yeah, choice. Because right. I've kind of got the telly I want and I've kind of got the strat I want. And you know, I think I think I I think I would maybe give that a shot, you know. I like what they did with the Johnny Marr Jaguar though. That's a that's a great guitar. Mm. Yeah. What color? What color guitar guy are you? I like I like a faded Lake Placid blue or uh, something that is like a seafoam green if it's not too greeny. You know, if it's got the little faded yellowing to it, I like that a lot. Nice. I, that's a, that's where I had in my head as far as your, ah. your color goes. I was like, well, I, I, I know he's going to say seafoam. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking that as a compliment. Yeah. I, know it, I know it's not, but I'm going to take it. No, anyway. it is. I have, I have a friend with one of those, and it wasn't the exact shade he wanted, so he had it refinished to the exact shade. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's real particular about his his blues and greens, but uh my my favorite that I actually have is like a early 90s Strat Plus. It's purple. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh that's probably my favorite Fender guitar. Oh cool. Nice. You need to talk to one of our former guests, uh, Seafoam Pedals. They're exclusively oh, all Seafoam ah. green and they're really nice pedals. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll check them out. Yeah. I will. That's great. Uh, okay, so you also, aside from being a prolific writer, uh, you know a thing or two about playing. You've been in several bands, one of which, uh, you you know, when you were sending me over the information, I was like, the Molines, I, I, I've definitely heard that before. And I started listening, and it was a great jog back, and I listened to it for quite some time because it's just great, oh, thanks. great listening music. So Thanks. walk us through your, uh, I guess, maybe your band history. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of people involved in guitars, you know, you find out they played in, in bands one way or another, you know. And as I said, you know, it went out there with the intention of playing professionally. And, and kind of, you know, you can play kind of professionally for a couple of years and say, yeah, I'm playing professionally, but it doesn't mean you're making more than, you know, 150 bucks a week or something or whatever, you know, the the, the usual deal. But um, 
after playing in a couple other things in in London in the early '90s, because I go way back, I was I was one of the founding members of a band called Drugstore, which went on. Once I realized how little money we were going to make, I kind of quit, you know. Um, but they did go on to be signed to three kind of significant indie labels. I, I left the band, you know, under good terms and said, I'll, I'll stick around until we find a good replacement and everything. But I was, a, you know, a founder and was on the first couple of singles we released and stuff. And then we were signed to Go Discs, which at the time was the band, the label that had Paul Weller and um, The Laws, you know. Of, oh, yeah. There oh, yeah. she goes, fame. So. And the brand new heavies and stuff. So they were, yeah. you know, and that was all kind of contemporary stuff at the time. So they were a kind of happening indie label. Um, but, you know, I was kind of, you know, sometimes you can get to, a, you know, a situation where you feel like you're overqualified not to be playing in that situation. But like I'd put in all this education and I'd learned to write and I did all these other things. And now I'm going to go and, you know, travel around Europe in a, sleeping in a van making like 50 pounds a week or mm -hmm. something. So... So I just kind of grew up and got real and went off and and uh, regretted it for you know <laughs> for many years thinking <laughs> because then a couple of years later um, I played with them on a couple of occasions a couple of live situations where they just said oh just join in to fill out the sound and stuff um, like on a BBC radio broadcast and stuff and that was fun but they they released they are best known still to this day for releasing a single with uh, Tom York from Radiohead which was a duet with our singer. And um, called, I don't kill the president or something or El Presidente or something. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of their claim to fame. But so after that, for many years, I would just kind of played as a hobby, you know, and went into journalism and became a, a day job guy um, and did all that stuff and, you know, got various things together that didn't get off the ground. But we moved back to the States in 2004 and I got this band, The Molines, together, which was, you know, only ever an independent kind of self released band, but. But it did. It was you'd call it. I don't know, electrified Americana or kind of alt twang. Not quite alt country because it wasn't no. really country. But you know, roots, roots rock. And occasionally we'd go real honky tonk and do a song just for fun. You know. Yeah, kind of I think it, it reminds me of what was happening in the, um, I guess the university south. Uh, at yeah. the time, you know, like you know what? Yeah, there was, and there was, there was a pretty good scene in that stuff for a while. And even, I mean, I'm up here in about an hour north of Boston. I'm in Southern Maine now. We lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for uh, 17 years until just now, since we moved back. And there was a pretty good kind of Americana scene around, strangely, even in New England and Boston itself had a pretty good music mm -hmm, scene in that, mm -hmm. in that direction. So the Mullings, you know, we, we put out three albums and, you know, got around a fair amount and, you know. Were you singing on those, by the way? Could. I was singing on those, yeah, and yeah. playing the guitar it's, parts. It's and then we had a great pedal stuff. steel player. It really is good. I oh, thank you. I appreciate that. People, if you have not heard of the Mullings, um, and that's M-O-L-E. E N E S, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah not, not like the go check that out. It's great well, driving thanks. music too. It, it was, you know, and yeah, most of the songs are about cars and driving. It <laughs> has to be one of those, but but hope, hopefully not like too obviously so. But it was a lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun. You know, they were good guys to play with. Zach Field was the drummer, and Andrew Russell, the bass player, and uh, Bruce Durr was our pedal steel player, and he's an absolute wizard on the pedal steel. Um, who was a session player in New York City for a while and then moved up here for work. And it just sometimes I'd have to just remember to keep playing the guitar because I, when he'd go into his solos or even just some of his atmospheric parts, you know, it's just that sound just knocks you over when it's done right. You know? I, I got to imagine that has got to be probably one of the most lucrative positions to 
to or, or uh, things to decide to do in the music industry. I'm going to be a pedal steel person, and yeah. I'm going to be really good. At it. Yeah, because there yeah. just aren't aren't many. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And it took me it took me like you know five years, and a we were like an album and a, album and a half into that band before I kind of you know talked him into joining because like everybody said well he's the he's the guy you know yeah, so that's cool for around here yeah so that was a lot of fun and so that we just kind of had run our course we didn't really break up but you know there comes a time i think we did 10 years or so of that um and you know had a couple years in the wilderness and then kind of formed this band which i'd want to do which is kind of the other side of the coin really which is just more straight up indie rock kind of power pop mm -hmm. stuff which is called a different engine and that's just my current band and that's and you have a album out with that right we've got yeah we've got two albums out with that and um a third one that we're just starting to get into the works yeah um and that's been a lot of fun but we kind of got hit you know just as we got rolling we got hit with covid like everybody else did so kind of um you know that took a bite out of everybody's fun right um so kind of just getting rolling up again with that. And again, it's mostly guys who have played pretty seriously in the past, but none of us, we're not planning to, you know, take it out on the tour bus or anything necessarily. Yeah. Um, but trying to make the best music we can make, you know, and you get down that trap of saying, well, this isn't only going to be for fun, but then of course you get real serious about <laughs> how, how good you want it to be because you, you know. It's important whole. to make things. It's important to, it to leave something on the planet, you know what it I mean? It is. Make them the best you can make them, you know. And it's, uh, you know, in guitar, indie rock, guitar, power pop, whatever, that stuff, you know, there's kind of not, there's plenty of good bands playing it, but it's harder and harder to find it and hear it, you know. You mm -hmm. kind of have to go looking for it. So it's like, well, we want to just put out some of the stuff that we'd like to hear. So let's write music like that. Yeah, right on. So what's yeah. your uh, current main rig when you're playing live? My current main rig is, um, you know, and it's it's a rig. If you'd asked me five years ago, I thought I'm not playing one of those. Um, per, plenty of respect and everything, but just because they were becoming kind of the trendy go-to thing, I'm playing a Friedman amplifier. Oh yeah, um, okay. Um, yeah, and they're and they're and it's great. And I, uh, Dave is a, is an amazing designer and an amazing businessman. You know, I think he's created this model that works brilliantly. It's and I was playing the small box 50 watt head and 212 cab, but you know, the same old turn it down, turn it down, turn it down story. Yeah. So I'm, I'm playing a uh, mini dirty Shirley, which is, you know, they're 20 water with two EL 84s. And I had it, it comes as a 110 combo or a head, but I had it rehoused in a custom cab that Sour Mash Cabs made for me, which is a 112 cab, but still nice and portable. And, um, and it's great. I mean, everybody compliments the sound and, and, um, you know, it fits any venue, even some of the larger venues I go, I go to and think, well, now we'll really crank this thing up. And the guys, you know, the sound guy's saying, oh, you'll need to turn the guitar down. Um, and it's just, and I this is, they all say that. That's, they all that, say that. It's in their vocabulary. Yeah, and this is a 20 watt, you know, guitar amp with the master on, you know, six. And so now you have to turn the master down to four. So, um, and it is in the vocabulary, but you know, it's just the reality that stage volumes have come way, way down. Yeah. And however macho you want to be about, you you can only play through a hundred watt double stack, and yeah, that would sound great. But you know, maybe there are some places where that can be tolerated, but a lot of places you're just not going to get away with it, or you're, <laughs> or you're not going to get invited back. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, years and years ago here in Columbus, I uh, saw Jonathan Richmond playing. He was just playing his 
Oh, yeah. ES-175 by himself, and he was notorious for having the quietest stage <laughs> volume. Oh, I mean, really? and there, there was a point in the show <laughs> where he actually, I think, captured more of the audience attention by being quieter, and people were like, you know, if somebody... You know, it's like a, had an outburst or whatever. They would, you know, give him a, a dirty look or pummel him or something like yeah. that. But yeah. yeah, he would he would purposefully just play quietly and sing very softly. Yeah, and and it just like people were like drawn yeah. to that. It's kind of like when was, you can actually hear the brushes, the slow brushes yeah. on a on a yeah. drum head. Where you're like that, and that's the loudest sound. That's some that's pretty amazing actually yeah and yeah that, that was you know i had the same kind of experience seeing uh nick lowe with uh los straight jackets mm-hmm. oh uh, wow. and they yeah. and they he had he brought the i mean the, it was kind of a ra- ra- ruckus show but there were points in the show where he would bring it way way down hmm. and you could literally hear the brushes on the on the on the snare head yeah yeah and it was super cool and the audience was i mean it was a pretty good sized venue but I mean, it was like you could hear a pin drop. They're waiting that for that, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it makes it really intimate, doesn't it? It, it draws, really does. It draws people in, like you said. So, uh, Dave, what's next? So you got this, vid- this uh, video. You got this, uh, this book out, and is when you put out a book, is that just like, all right, I'm on to the next book, or do you do signings, or what, what happens? Um, it used to be more, I mean, there's always, you know, a little publicity, like talking to you guys, which is great. And thank you very much, by the way, for having me on, because this is a really fun, fun podcast you're doing. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, no, it's great stuff. And, um, but Tell yeah, friends. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will. Go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, they'll, they'll have to be listening. They'll listen to this one and they'll get hooked. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's. It used to be sometimes be straight on to the next one, you know. Um, but now I'm always doing a lot of magazine work in between, and like even while writing that book, like even in the thick of it, you know, like forty percent of my work day was probably doing magazine articles because of deadlines and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I mean, that's mostly what I'm on to now. That was shipped, you know, obviously a few months ago. Um, so it's like, well, back we go, you know, guitar player and vintage mag and all that stuff. Um, I guess that's it's something that we probably didn't think about. It's like, I just finished it. Here's the book. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I well, I know. They're, exactly. It's always there's a lead time and everything. But um, it's, you know, the honest answer is they, they used to, the next book used to usually start up pretty quickly. And now there's more lag in between. You know, partly out of my own choice, but also partly just because the industry's changing and people aren't buying, you know, to be honest, they aren't buying print books as much. You know, like this one will make more of a splash, hopefully, and seems to have done so already because it's a it's an occasion and all that stuff. And, you know, it's got the Fender's name on it and everything. But, um, you know, the, the print print industry is not doing as well as it was doing 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So, um not that I was writing books 30 years ago, but, <laughs> but you know, and in magazines are, you know, it's, just, I don't want to get it into the maudlin, like sad side of the whole thing, but you know, same reason newspapers are dying and the same reason that guitar magazines are having a harder time. And, yeah, um, you know, so, the, so there aren't as many books to write. And also, you know, what book am I going to write next? It's like, how many guitar amp and pedal books can you write? And it seems like there always is another one. And yet, um, by the same token, the publishers are having to be more selective sure. about the topics. You know, an idea that they would have said 
10 years ago had said, yeah, let's do that. Now they'll say, well, we don't know if we can sell enough to justify that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Could we, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you'd be open to talk about some of your earlier books. Um, and yeah. the one I wanted to just kind of get a feel for how you came up with the list of uh, participants were uh, star guitars and then ultimate star guitars, which I brought in tonight for, <laughs> oh, for Todd yeah. to, to drool over. And, and just, just, <laughs> just a quick note. So he pulled that book out and he flipped to a page and he started to hand it to me and I put up my hand and I mouthed the words Joe Strummer <laughs> and he had it turned to Joe Strummer's number one. <laughs> you knew. Yeah. yeah he knows great. me. <laughs> so is it, did you come up with a, I imagine you had a, a, a much larger list and you had to condense it down to, uh, you know, to the famous guitars. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was a list. Um, that one, again, was one that uh, the same um, pr- production and, and uh, project editor, Dennis Pernu at, at Cordo Books, and I worked on the idea together and the list together and, um, you know, really kind of drummed up, you know, who could be there. And, you know, he, that's exactly like you like you guys would do. You know, you find out how much, what can you fit, and you do a master list, and then you start crossing off names that you just can't fit in you know they in there are some other people you know with huge we we managed to sneak in a few favorites of ours that we respected a lot that might not be in there otherwise i suppose namingly um i'd have to go back and look okay. <laughs> <laughs> because i'll probably name someone that that we didn't get in because i thought we did and then i'll be like oh no okay that's one of what we, we cut i, I noticed i was left off the list so. <laughs> well see, i didn't, was trying not to say and you brought it up trying to keep quiet about that um but you know and and just just that then kind of whittle it back down you know to what's going to be you know get some broad representation of different styles and different instruments and all that stuff and and the gist of that book for anyone who doesn't know it is you know these are all star guitarists but kind of the guitar is the star you know it's mostly people who are strongly associated with one particular guitar, you know, and almost, or, or a type, you know, or a few, but most players have played several, but this is, let's, let's have the guitar that is the star for this person, you know? Um, so it was, it was also mainly artists, you know, some people will be left at, well, you didn't cover so-and-so or whatever, but that's because, you know, they just keep changing their guitar every couple of years and they aren't as strongly associated with one guitar, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I get that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you have many, many more to choose from. Uh, Tony, what else? Without going through all, we're going to touch on a couple of the titles and then we're going to roll off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like I also brought in the ultimate, the ultimate Fender book. Right. Which <laughs> actually, I really like the format of, of this book. And there's a Gibson book that is, is the same. You did this one with uh, looks like Paul Day. Um, oh yeah, I, I feel like that solved a problem that people were having about writing about guitars because it's tall and skinny. It's yeah, it actually the guitars fit the pages yeah. much better. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a book I can I, I don't even know if I have a copy. <laughs> I can hardly remember, but I remember it was one that was like a publisher saying, "Oh, Paul's got some material on this stuff, and you're you were doing this thing. Let's like put your heads together and let's." create this book that covers all that stuff and it was kind of like just a catch-all like let's get a lot of fender stuff in there you know yeah um and there's some there's some really i mean actually i i I mean some of the photos and this will actually tie into our 
Would You Rather. Uh, mm-hmm. I found a couple of things here in the back that uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, the quality of the photography is is great. I mean, it's it, again, it's not a complete list of everything. And someone, of course, will say, "Well, that guitar wasn't in there." But yeah. uh, but it's really it's 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 a good place to start. And honestly, this one has a DVD with it that I've never looked at. So, oh um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what what's on there. But and then the other one that I brought in was uh, the Electric Guitar Sourcebook: How to Find the Sounds You Like. And yeah. that is is that one that's illustrated. There's one that's not very much this, illustrated. This one has a lot of black and white photos in it. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, pictures yeah. of guitars and 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 what I found you know useful about this is you get sort of a history of some of the guitars, but it, you kind of get a a feel for how to get the sounds that you like, uh, whether mm. it's through pickups or effects pedals or amplifiers and things like that. So, and that uh, was the idea. Yeah, and that and that was that was one with a different publisher. That's um, I mean, it was published and distributed in the U.S. also, but the production office was based in London, and um, that guy was more into doing like handbook series of things, you know, like kind of they're leaning more how to while still being, you know, gear nerd books, but not so much coffee table, but let's pick this up and, you know, read this section to find out why this type of bridge material might make the guitar sound brighter or warmer or, you know, a little, a leaning a little bit into kind of all the components, right. And all the different elements that contribute to the sound. So it's kind of a catch all for that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, there was a, a series in the UK, uh, Paul Balmer. I'm sure you know who, yeah. who he is. And they were kind of set up like, uh, Haynes automotive repair manuals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I thought that was very cool. Uh, yeah. It, that, you know, and they covered, you know, the SG, the Telecaster, Stratocaster, couple of other things but yeah kind of a little bit of a how-to manual combined with the yeah history. those two are, exactly yeah those do a good job and I, I worked with Paul on one thing because he was also a videographer and he directed the video for well something we did for which might have been like the ultimate guitar bible or something you know they were going for all these ultimate titles and I think it was actually might have been the first in the series of the ultimate Fender book and then the ultimate Gibson book and I think the ultimate Fender book, if I'm thinking of the right one, I'll have to look it up while we're talking. <laughs> but I think on that DVD, I think is um, like Carl Verheyen and I demonstrating lots of Fender guitars and amps. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to have to break it out and throw it in the old Indeed. But, does, but that's the thing. It goes back. Does anybody have, uh, you know... A, you a know, DVD, a DVD player. player I actually still have one. Yeah, yeah believe it I or believe not. Believe it. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, so, Todd. Point being, if you like guitars and you like to sit around and get bedazzled by lore and photography awesome pictures and stories, and some great stories and some fantastic writing, Strand. dig into uh, what David has uh, produced uh, out there in the um, world. Lots of lots of awesome books, and specifically the Fender seventy five years yes. uh, commemorative book here, which is just outstanding. You got it. You guys have I, to get uh, a hold of this. Thank I you. bought my copy while we were recording this. Brilliant. <laughs> well well done. played, Jared. <laughs> yes. yes. Usually it works. Uh, we are going to mosey on over to Jared's uh, neighborhood right now. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, this point of the show gets really fun. We like to play 
a little game called Would You Rather. As usual, you're late for your show because you were walking down the street and you realize you forgot your guitar. <laughs> the opening band kindly offers you to use one of their guitars. A mid-60s Fender Electric 12 or a late 1960 Fender Maverick slash custom. Tony Balonsky, please explain. Well, and uh, the think... two guitars and <laughs> and we'll have to pick which one. Which we're one you'd rather get, play. Yeah. Yeah. So the 12 uh, is the that's the droopy banana, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it always and, reminds me of and, and, and Dave, feel free to chime in. Uh, <laughs> this is, so the electric 12 came out in the mid sixties. Um, and it, you know, was a true electric 12 string guitar as sales dropped off after CBS, uh, bought Fender. Mm -hmm. Um, they, uh, had all these piles of bodies and necks that weren't selling. So I think they uh, they uh, had a shop guy who was it Babe Simona Babe Simone. Do you that know sounds right. That does sound right. Yeah. Babe, and I think so, they yeah. said, "What what can we do with this stuff?" <laughs> yeah. So he takes a body over to the bandsaw and cuts out little sections of of this and that, and uh, comes up with. Uh, what's called, you know, I think the initial run was the Maverick and then they changed it to the custom. Um, and these were basically electric leftover, electric 12 bodies, pickups, control panels. But then in their infinite wisdom, they decided that a Mustang bridge and tremolo would really work well <laughs> in place of the other. And then they also took the, the droopy headstock. And I think on the initial run, they might've shortened it. And then they put a laminate, on the front and back. So it's a six string guitar uh, for the Maverick or custom versus the electric 12, which obviously right. is a 12 string guitar. But the six string is also got staggered split pickups as does the 12 string. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, well, th I was just getting that. Yeah. You were just, uh, just saying that. Yeah. So the six pickups are widely spread apart. No. On the headstock. Yeah, oh, the, the tuners, the tuning yeah. machines. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, not the pick. I'm a pickup guy. I'm going to say pickup. <laughs> pick pick so, so because of that, you can put enormous tuners on that headstock if you wanted to. If you wanted to, but you know, again, Fender just used their <laughs> right standard. Well, at that time, yeah. well, they they were the F stamp tuners, I think, uh, right. on, on that at that point. The in little time. tiny tulipy. We can go into some more nasty yeah. details so, so about the, it. So the butt of the guitar is pointy. It has a pointy butt. Yeah, they mm -hmm. made, I think, basically three cuts on yeah. this guitar. Zoop, mm -hmm. zip, and zip. Yeah, and it kind of has a shaved-off upper horn there. Yeah. From where... So. so I guess the bigger question is, which is the least desirable to play for your show, the 12-string? Which is actually a really nice guitar. Yeah. I don't want to say that's a bad instrument. Or the six-string chopped-up Maverick slash custom. Wow. Yeah, that's an ugly guitar. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an ugly guitar. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's ugly. It's just that's, I think if you, you know what that's great for? Like, I could see, like, the Black Angels or somebody, like, super psychedelic and kind of heavy playing that. Yeah. Can you can you show handle a 12-string electric, though? You know, I guess that's going to come down to that. You know, like, whatever you think of the Maverick, if a 12-string if is just going to 
sort of smash all over the sound of the band you're gonna yeah that's that's true i mean i guess it's going to depend on musical style tony what are you doing well i mean i i think that i could pull off playing the 12 string yeah i mean i've i've yeah at one point in time i had more electric 12 strings of various you know makes and models than of I think you did. anybody else. And I've, I've pared that down for yeah. uh, over the years. But um, I still dearly love the, the Fender Electric 12. And in fact, you know, that, that was a studio model for many famous people, including Jimmy Page, Bob Dylan. Um, there were, I there imagine were, the Wrecking Crew play, played a bunch of those. Eh? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the 12-string, even though it wasn't a popular model to the public, it was still a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. So Indeed. I think between the two of those... You're doing the 12. I'm doing the 12-string. All right. Any particular color? Shoreline Gold. Shoreline Gold. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jared, how about yourself? Well, you know, since I'm the rhythm player, Todd's the lead player... Um, what? I'm going to go with the, yeah. <laughs> You're He's in so your band. backwards. He is in your band. <laughs> <laughs> right. In the band, in this particular Would You Rather, I'm going to take the 12 because we do Stairway, we do Hotel California, uh-huh. we do all the big <laughs> any, hits any requiring the 12 and tons of Kansas songs that Todd rocks on and Todd sings uh, all. No. <laughs> Lots of birds. In lots of birds, yeah. So what are you doing? Definitely 12, brother. All right. Any particular color? Color will be zippity-ba-doo. Purple. Purple. (laughs) All right. Of course. Well, that fits Jared. No, I don't think they... Actually, I'm sorry. No. Pink Paisley. Pink Paisley. Okay. All right. Better call the custom shop. Dave, how about yourself? You know, I'm going to... Be maybe the standout. I don't know. We haven't had your choice yet, have we? I'm going to go for the Maverick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I would just I'm I'm going to assume this is either my own. Is this my own current band or? Yeah, sure. Why not? My band or or my or my previous band. Yeah. There's going to be a fair amount of string bending, and it's going to. That's just going to go south on this on the twelve string. You know, and this is just get the sound across. And plus, it's funky. I mean, I could I could see just having to make that work and say, yeah, what about it? You know, this is this is the guitar I'm playing. You know, what gonna, yeah. What are you gonna do about? You it? You got a know? problem with that? What are you what are you looking at? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna do yeah. the same thing uh, yeah. because I mean, there is if man, if the headstock wasn't so goofball. I love that headstock. I love it. It's just the Gumby. It's the Gumby headstock. It just takes the the cool. It's like that body, it could be like kind of tough looking. And and then it just is a, a droopy popsicle they um, should have cut while they were at the bandsaw they should have made that fourth cut. yes and amazing that they didn't huh? you know yeah um i'm gonna do that and i'm actually gonna flip it i'm going to make it uh gold sparkle with a black pick guard usually so so dave my thing is um uh black guitars with gold sparkle pick guards that tony makes for me so oh okay yeah anyways uh that that was a fun one tony two and two good thinking uh we david we gotta say a few thanks to a handful of people and then we are going to bid you adieu okay all righty you know todd at this point of the show there is a special group of people that we love to thank 
That's right. These are our executive producers. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be wondering, what is an executive producer? Well, I'm going to uh-huh. tell you. An executive producer is a supporter, a sponsor of this very podcast. If you want to find out how you can become one, head over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor, a patron, if you will, of this very podcast and make this very show possible. Each level comes with a great bevy of thank you gifts, including things like T-shirts and barefoot buttons and picks and stickers and flashlights and, and keychains. Oh, did I say keychains? Yes, I did. Yeah. But there's one thing more as an executive producer that you get, Jared. You get to have your name read on the third. Your name read on the third. So I'm going to do that right now. Special thanks to these executive producers, Mr. Tom Barazin, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ. Ken Sayers, Michael Senchuk, Stefan Lamb, Anthony Lathrop, John Anglin, John Esterly. I just saw John today. Justin Jones, James White, Matt Hart, Bill Gola Guitars, Richard Kendall, Tyke Harmon, John Jackson, Jason Rausch, Gary Cooper, Mark Garten, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Trevor Gunberg, Rick Calhoun, Anthony Gemolero. John Helverson and Drew Lopez. Yes, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you. But wait, Todd, there's more because there we have another special group of executive producers. We call them our grand poobas. These fine folks are just a step above executive mm-hmm. producer. They get a fez to place upon their head whilst listening to it's the a podcast. Large step, but a step. It's a it's a step. Yeah. I'm just gonna thank these grand poobas. Jonathan Jerusik. Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Science of Sound, Cody Foster, Sean S. S. Tom Imanasco, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Tim Nowak, Tyler Rines, James Pennington, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, Johnny Morales, Mel Sanders, Bob Crouch, Sam Jett, Michio Murakishi, Martin Cliff, Hex Metos, Michael Van Zant, Brian Robinson, and John Daly. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you all so thank you. very much. Dave, uh, we're going to say the name of your book one more time. Fender, 75 years. Uh, it is in a gorgeous hardback that looks like Fender Tweed Amp. Go out and get that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Tony. It was a blast. I appreciate it. Thank you. And is there anywhere that you want to uh, send uh, listeners to go check out any of your band works or your other books? Oh, that's kind. I mean, the books are, you know, the books are on most of the online dealers. Like if you go to Amazon.com and look me up as an author, you'll you'll find them there by name. The band stuff for a different engine and I goes also the Moline stuff is all going to be on Spotify. Spotify or Apple Music or your you know your streaming source of choice. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Go check that out, everybody. Uh, Tony, just go over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the wares I have available for sale. By and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're trying to do. I can probably give you some good advice and yeah. steer you in the right direction and get, and show them some amazing uh, sparkles, cool, cool stuff. Jared, about <laughs> yourself. You can find me through the Guitar Knobs 
media things. Right. And soon you will have your own very own Instagram and be a real boy. Uh, <laughs> you can shoot me an email, Todd at the guitar knobs.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also DM me on Instagram and talk to any of these two clowns too. Uh, at guitar knobs. We'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your four on the floors and your would you rathers. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and uh, have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Need to go to the barber and shave. <laughs> okay. What? Well, don't do that right now. Let's. Yeah. Let's how about we do the podcast here. and then you can do the barber and shave later. Yeah. Dave's okay. not here, man. Right. <laughs> I just totally. So, so we we have a brain fart. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on this. What? What, Tony? You can't. Did I say something wrong? You always say something wrong. What I say? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what? What? Yeah, yeah. I'm saving that one for later. No. Yeah. We're not recording yet. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that no, no, no. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time